The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you so much for joining us here on Winning Ponies. Hope we've got another exciting lineup for you. I think you're going to enjoy our guests quite a bit. Uh, first out of the box will be Greg Charcutian. Uh, Greg won the Eclipse Award last year for media. Uh, he's the one that's putting together the It's My Job series for the Thoroughbred Times. And he has a very interesting background. Uh, ended up in a couple of jobs he didn't know he'd have, uh, but it all led him down the road to Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, he now has the coveted Eclipse Award on his mantle. And then we're going to go to the top of the handicappers of the daily racing form from Kentucky, Louisville, as a matter of fact, the one, the only, Marty McGee will be with us. Now, obviously, there's going to be some big pools and some big pick fours uh, up for grabs Saturday at the Belmont, and we're going to try to give you a pick four win that will uh, end up with the Belmont Stakes being the anchor lag. I'm looking forward to Hearing who Marty likes in the Belmont Stakes. There's no such thing as a sure thing. Uh, interestingly enough, though, I'll have another has been installed at odds on. And I think the reason is, again, when uh, people make the line, it's not necessarily the way they're handicapped the race or the way they would bet it. It's how they think the public's going to bet. And I think that uh, you're going to have a lot of sentimental wagers going out there across the country. And don't forget the ticket collectors. A lot of people that will want to have a $2 ticket framed uh, saying that they, uh, they watched the Triple Crown and saw I'll have another win it for the first time in 34 years. And so he's been set at a line of four to five in New York. Uh, since we got Marty McGee from the Daily Racing Form on, I thought we'd take the Racing Form's odds for the Belmont Stakes. It looks like 12 of them will be going to post. We'll take you from the inside out, starting with a long shot I like a little. Number one, Street Life, 15 to 1. And then part of the Kenny McPeak entry. Uh, don't forget, Kenny won the Belmont with the longest shot ever, Sarava, at 70 to 1. This is Unstoppable You at 30 to 1. And then the Hard Luck Horse, who's getting Johnny V in the saddle. Number three, Union Rags. Six to one. Very interesting odds for a horse that loves New York. Uh, then the other half of uh, Kenny's entry, number four, Antigun, 30 to one, as well as the stablemate. Uh, then we have the, the now horse. I don't know who you've been talking to, but most people I were talking to down at AJ's Roadhouse and Days of Late, uh, different trainers and exercise riders and jockeys, uh, seem to think that uh, it's Dullahan's race. Uh, that his running style fits, the fact that he had rest 
uh, between the Belmont and the Kentucky Derby is going to weigh in his favor, and he just had a sensational glide over the Belmont strip the other day that says perhaps he's not going to have a problem with dirt. As you know, Dullahan has yet to win on a dirt course, so he's had some bang-up races, including his third in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Ravello's boy, one of the longer shots at 50 to 1, as is the seven horse, 516 at 50 to 1, and Guyana Star Tweege at 50 to 1. Box those threes up and you will be going to Bermuda. Then Painter can be an interesting horse, a speed horse. And horses have been known to wire the Belmont. That's number nine, Painter. And the 10, D. Wayne Lucas, who's had a bit of a headache this week. Uh, he was kicked when a horse reared up and it nailed him on the top of the head. Uh, Optimizer, again, the stretch runner, is going to go off at 30 to 1. And then we have the favorite. According to Mike Watchmaker, he's making, I'll have another 3 to 5. And then the uh, 12 on the outside is my Adonis at 30 to 1. So that's a quick look at the uh, field for the Belmont Stakes. We'll get back to some more Belmont news soon. But we've got really good news uh, from Winning Ponies. Uh, we, ha- we have a new real-time feature. It's just in time for the Belmont Stakes. Uh, this is an unprecedented feature in our handicapping product. Our members will have last-minute changes at their fingertips. Uh, we feel that modern-day horse players always want the best technological edge, and we're always at the forefront. Uh, some details on the new changes... Uh, our tote board, very popular, has been reworked so that now members can purchase easy win forms up to three days in advance. Uh, the tote board now shows real-time status at each track, including post time and track conditions. Uh, our easy win forms now automatically alert you and refresh automatically based on incoming real-time data from the tracks. Uh, the fact that we offered selections for all possible track conditions and surfaces was unheard of. Now, you don't even need to manually set the conditions on your form. The track conditions pass through seamlessly. Other changes are also reported immediately, including scratches, overweights, jockey changes, equipment changes, and course and distance changes. An incoming alert window will pop open on your form, indicating the new changes, and then it just updates automatically. can't get much easier than that. So... uh, the, the printable version of the form was tweaked a little bit, so it looks better now with colors and icons, and it's more uh, useful, uh, including your saved races and horse notes. So it's going to make it nicer for you. So for those of you that are members of Winning Ponies, we're making it even better for you. Well, we, uh, of course, uh, have the, the Belmont coming up, and we just got to kind of go back and, and take a look at time, times that, well, we're awful tough for a lot of horses. And uh, the, the early 2000s certainly were. And we'll see if I'll have another joins the 11 Triple Crown winners or if I'll have another joins these horses. Uh, 2008, it was Big Brown. He was the last uh, upset by Deterra. And then Smarty Jones, who can forget that little bitty birdstone, nailing him at the wire. And then the gelding, funny side, 2003, it was Bobby Frankel, Empire Maker, got that one. And in 2002, War Emblem, that was Kenny McPeak's big upset with Sarava. Uh, get, getting war emblem there. So uh, those were those were the close calls. Of course, you'll 
probably remember, Charismatic, Real Quiet, Silver Charm, Sunday Silence, I won't read the whole list. Uh, there were 19 that actually ran two early horses, Bold Venture and Burgoo King, did not start in the Belmont Stakes. Um, let's take a look now at uh, some notes. We talked to Dan Silver about a week ago and his staff doing just an outstanding job of uh, keeping us updated on all things Belmont. We'll take a look at some of the uh, top horses anyhow. Uh, it looks like uh, I'll have another had some company at the track today. Owner J. Paul Redham and jockey Mario Gutierrez were on hand at Belmont Park. Uh, he galloped a mile and a half around the Oval. Uh, his only difference being that now he has to come from the Belmont barn, uh, which is uh, restricted to the Belmont starters. I still got a little bit of a problem with that. Um, all of them are in their special barn where they'll be housed until the Belmont. According to Doug O'Neill, though, he settled right in like he thought he would, although he doesn't have his buddy Lava Man uh, with him. Uh, he, Lava Man, who gets a little on the edge, he's staying over in O'Neill's other barn. Uh, they, they were gonna, boy, they really been living it up there. Uh, O'Neill and Redmond Gutierrez, they were gonna throw out the first pitch of Friday's New York Mets, New York Yankees game. What a game that always is, uh, for you New Yorkers. But, uh, they ended up having a horse in the grade two Brooklyn handicap, and that's not going off until 544, and I don't think they're gonna be able to make it there to game time in time. Uh, the uh, the Doolahan camp, they're all there, headed up by Jerry Crawford, who uh, we had on Winning Ponies several weeks ago and just sounded like uh, such a pleasant gentleman. Uh, it started in 2008. He formed his partnership uh, among friends after purchasing eight yearlings, and one of those turned out to be Patty O'Prado. So he's been doing these partnerships only since 2008, four years ago, and coming up with horses like Patty O'Prado and Doolahan, that's not too, too bad. Of course, uh, you talk to him. He's such an upbeat guy. He, he's got uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Romans. He's got Dale Romans uh, as, as his trainer. And basically, uh, you know what uh, Crawford will tell you is that Donegal started as a group of close friends that expanded to include close old friends and new friends. Uh, he gets to share his experience with the families and friends. And as he says, it's one of the best things life has to offer. Well, obviously, uh, offered to uh, Crawford were <laughs> a bunch of seats because from what I understand, uh, he's coming in with a slew of 300 people to back Doolahan. Uh, Union Rags is, uh, is finally uh, there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, kind of knocking him a, a little bit uh, because of Dixie Union on his top side. But Michael Matz points out that his second and third dam were mile-and-a-half horses. Uh, Terps Accordus, who went up to a mile and five-eighths, including the grade two win in the Sheepshead Bay and the grade three Long Island Handicap. And then Glad Rags, if you go back another gener generation, was a champion filly in Ireland. And uh, the, uh, that tells you that he certainly has a bottom, and he's got a big horse with a long stride. He covers ground easy. So uh, Union Rags and, and Dullahan, without a doubt, two that uh, cannot be overlooked in the Belmont Stakes, and I, I think you're going to see them along with I'll have another uh, go down as as the top three, and rightfully so. Well, let's take a look at some of the races that uh, we handicapped last week and see how uh, our results came up with so, some of these top races. Starting out in New York, it was Tom Law who was helping me handicap, and uh, we 
took a look at the vagrancy, and what we said was Dick Dutrow had a strong duo, and yes, he did. It was CC's pal uh, coming home with Junior Alvarado in the saddle. Pretty much went from flag fall to that's all uh, in the vagrancy. Uh, finishing second was Nicole H., who was the slight favorite in there, uh, put in a nice battle, but ended up a neck behind CC's pal. A very, very contentious race. A uh, third was She's Cheeky. Uh, from there, we uh, went all the way out to Hollywood, and it, the whole question was, is, is there a Dubai bounce on Game on Dude? And the only bounce the dude had was the first bounce out of the gate, Chantel Sutherland didn't have to do anything but just kind of sit there and look pretty for the rest of the race because that's what she did, especially if you've seen the Vanity Fair article. You want to talk about sitting on a horse and looking pretty, but that's a story for another time. Uh, Game on Dude is back. Uh, Bob Baffert has to be so pleased. You know, he finished 12, 20 lengths out of the Dubai World Cup race. Everybody just kind of scratching their head. But Game On Dude had his game on. It was a very short field, but a very talented field. Uh, Kettlecorn um, ran, ran second. And Prayer for Relief, a horse that certainly uh, has a lot of nice credentials out of Baffert's own barn, uh, looked, you know, contentious in there until the gate opened. Uh, then we went to uh, Churchill Downs. It was night racing. Uh, got held up for a uh, little bit. Uh, Calvin Burrell got dumped uh, just before the winning colors, and uh, there's a lot of concern. The ambulance had to come out and get him uh, behind the gate, but uh, luckily, uh, even though they took their time getting him off, being very cautious, uh, Calvin dusted himself off. Didn't ride that race, uh, but did come back to ride later in the card. Uh, so the uh, Aristides is uh, how we're going to pronounce it because that's the way our announcer did it. Uh, it, it went to Rothko, uh, the uh, rail horse, who put in a nice off-the-pace effort. Corey Nakatani in to ride for Steve Asmussen. This horse had been based on the West Coast, so Nakatani uh, gets the win over Will's Wildcat and Whiskey Rebellion. Staying at Churchill, we went to the Early Times Mint Julep Handicap, and speaking of caps, a tip of the cap to Kenny McPeak, who in this race got his 300th Churchill Downs win with Busy Caroline, who is the slight favorite in here. Uh, Tappets Fly scratched out of the race and uh, will be one of the horses we'll be looking at today. But uh, Busy Caroline got the job done for Kenny McPeak. Congratulations, 300 wins. Uh, he seems very proud, and I don't blame him. It was a heck of a race, though. It looked like Heavenly Landing had it won, but Busy Caroline and Manny Cruz got up to win the race. This uh, team also won it last year, McPeak and Cruz. Uh, we're getting ready to come up to our break and to talk to Greg Charcutian and uh, one last race we do want to mention was the Woodbine Oaks, a half-a-million-dollar race at a mile-and-a-half. And Alex Solis, and from the West Coast, rode the 8 Irish Mission, a horse who just broke its maiden at Keeneland, believe it or not, and comes back. Of course, it's an Ontario-bred Samsung farm, no big surprise there, uh, but got the job done at odds of 9-1 to one over Northern Passion and Awesome Fire. The favorite in there, Dixie Strike, just didn't strike and just didn't fire. Well, we're going to fire up a couple commercials here on Winning Ponies, and then we're going to be back with Eclipse Award winner, Greg Charcutian. 
internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. When it comes to youth and high school football, listen each week to Coach Al Gross at First and Ten Football. Coach covers vital topics relating to the latest trend on a national level. Join Coach as he interviews personalities from the NFL, NCAA, and the top high school coaches from around the country. Catch all the interviews and get in-depth information online at www.firstand10football.com. Your national resource for youth and high school football. First and Ten Football airs Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, very much looking forward to this uh, segment this week. Uh, I, I saw Greg Cherkudian at the Eclipse Awards, uh, but I did not know him. I had never met him before, uh, but I did get a chance to meet him just a week ago when he came up here uh, with Tom Law doing the It's My Job segment. And, uh, you know, we got on the golf cart and we drove around and got, you know, different uh, scenes from, from the beautiful river. And it was just fun trading stories the whole time. It's amazing. You know, a lot of things that we have in common, uh, even an upstate New York connection and a photography connection and a, and a love of a guy by the name of Tony Leonard. Let me give you a little bit uh, about his, his background. He's a, he's a multimedia project manager for the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, he comes from Springfield, Mass., and he's a graduate of the state of New York, Morrisville's Equine Management Program, where he worked as an assistant trainer, listen to this, in both standard bred and thoroughbred racing uh, prior to joining the Thoroughbred Times in the year 2000 as an advertising copywriter. Uh, his interest in audiovisual production stemmed from a working relationship with renowned equine photographer Tony Leonard, which eventually landed him his current position, along with Thoroughbred Times managing editor Tom Law. Charcutian won the two... 2011 Eclipse Award in the Multimedia Internet category for Thoroughbred Times on the scene coverage of the Breeders' Cup at Churchill Downs, something that I'm assuming uh, will continue. Greg, how are things in the Big Apple? Oh, gosh, they're wonderful. They're, uh, 
you know, some interesting, uh, very long days, and uh, we seem to be, you know, chipping away at this. And as the, uh, you know, the Belmont grows closer, you know, we uh, you get a little more excited. You know, each day you just you can feel that excitement really building. Uh, now, have you been able to uh, get, to get your eyes on most of the contenders over the past couple of days? I, uh, I would say I don't think. I think I got everybody. I got a good look. Obviously, uh, Union Rags uh, shipped in yesterday and, and was out on the racetrack today and uh, looked great. You know, got to see him uh, out there this morning, and uh, he looked wonderful. So, Now, uh, your, your entrance into racing, uh, you, you came up where the uh, Springfield Mass, I believe that that's where the Basketball Hall of Fame is. Is, is my right there? Is. Yeah, I remember yeah, driving sure by there many times, going to visit my sister in Boston. I'm always like, "Geez, do I have time to pull over to see this or not?" But uh, what, know, what, kind, what was the bug that got you in, involved in, in racing? A, a woman, an, a, an old woman, a <laughs> uh, friend of mine. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a woman by the name of Jean Eddings, and she used to have horses that she, you know, had on the fair circuit, Marshfield Fair, Northampton, Great Barrington, and you know, and occasionally uh, she ran some horses at Green Mountain and. Uh, she got me, she brought me at a very young age to the Northampton Fairgrounds. So I was exposed to racing for the first time at Northampton, the little half mile, you know, that little bull ring there. And, uh, uh, and that was it. From the moment I went there, I was hooked. So did so, you then set the plan in motion when you found out that SUNY offered an equine program? Yeah, actually, you know, like I, you know, I always had a, a very strong interest, um, and I went to, um, you know, I tried, a, you know, small private liberal arts college and uh, decided to uh, and was too interested in Suffolk Downs and Rockingham Park and uh, decided to leave, took some time, went off and worked with um, a couple guys that, that, that ship, you know, off the farm type of um, operation, you know, very, you know, small time and um, worked hard at it and learned everything I could and um, for a few years, and then uh, found the equine racing uh, management program at uh, the State University of New York, and a great guy by the name of Bill Madison, who's the director of that program. And when I got there, um, you know, I, I was I was interested in, because they had a, a very small thoroughbred racing program. Um, really, the backbone of the racing program was the harness racing, and I uh, by the time I got out there, the guy that ran that program, Doug. Smith uh, had broken his leg, Gallup, and the program kind of fell apart. You know, he, he kind of retired, and uh, I was now four hours away from home looking at a bunch of standard breads and, and, and really had not been um, exposed to standard breads. You know, I knew horses, and I was like, well, you know, there's a lot to learn here, and these are some R- very rugged, uh, you know, standard breads that, you know, boy, that the training is so, I think, you know, obviously very different. And, um, and I thought there's a lot to be learned here, so I'm going to stick this out. And I got into the standard breads for a while. So and, you, have, you, were, and, you were a hands-on horseman. How did you right. transfer that to what I feel is an amazing artistic side? <laughs> well, um, it, it, was a, it was definitely an interesting transition. Um, I went off to Finger Lakes. Okay, so we'll skip forward a little bit. I went off to Finger Lakes, and I was assistant trainer for, for uh, Paul Barrow up at, um, at Finger Lakes. And, and we, after we kind of, uh, at the time, um, you know, really understanding that 
It's a tough one. You know, it was very difficult, uh, you know, to make, um, you know, to, to really get in there and find those owners. And I was at the time getting married. And I thought, well, maybe I can take this, this, uh, this degree that I have here and try something within the industry, uh, but outside of the backstretch. And so then I started sending resumes to everyone. Boy, I, I don't even know. Maybe you got one. I don't know. All I know <laughs> is that there, I probably sent about 75 resumes out. And just basically saying, I know horses and I know I'm creative. Because I always dabbled a little bit in, um, in computers. You know, I, for, I always kind of, you know, I got on board with computers very, at a very young age. And, um, and uh, that was always there. Uh, interest in, in computers and visual. Anything visual is always there. And then, and then I just started to kind of, uh, I said, geez, you know, I'm, I'm creative. And, and they gave me a shot, Mark Simon um, at uh, Thurber Times. And uh, the woman that, at the time at Thurber Times that was uh, the, the head advertising copywriter was Dale Brickton, and she um, took a shot with me, and that was it. And uh, I picked up everything and went down to Lexington and um, started advertising copywriter. And at that point, I met... How does that uh, turn you Leonard. into an award-winning videographer? Yeah, well, I, I, I met Tony Leonard, and then I started looking through the lens a lot with Tony Leonard. And um, as we kind of went along uh, the road, uh, I ended up, uh, we came up with the idea of this interactive styling directory. I always thought, you know, if we get video and, and, and the still pictures, would it be neat to have video of these horses walking, confirmation walking videos. And then that's how got me the, the video cameras and, uh, and video editing. And then... It started to go a little further. We got, we did, okay, I think I can do a TV spot for Thurber Times. And then, you know, it was just at the time, it was just a laptop, a nice, you know, MacBook, and, and, uh, and it kind of just kept on going, you know, and, and did more little features. And then Tom Law and I started, we developed a great relationship, working relationship, and he's a good friend now, and, uh, and we went from there to actually, let's, well, let's cover some news events. And so that's how it kind of went. Well, the, I would uh, tell all of our listeners uh, to uh, go up this week, particularly close to my heart, because it features a Pete Aiello, our track announcer, and, and it's called It's My Job. And what Greg and Tom have come up with is the concept of, okay, everybody knows you know, who the big people are and what the main horses are, but who are the people that are kind of the nuts and bolts of putting this whole game together? And uh, the right. first person they did was an exercise rider down at Keeneland, followed him for the entire day from the break of morning. And then they did the same thing with, with Pete Aiello, who you'll see uh, if you do go up there, uh, is, is a very colorful character that, that just has a love of the game, and he's quite good at his craft. And in speaking so, uh, Greg, you're quite good at yours at capturing because uh, you guys really did get the essence of, of who Pete is and what his job is. <laughs> well, he's a great uh, – it was uh, just a, a, a total pleasure to, to work with Pete. And um, it, it, there was no um, moment. You know, every, when you, get that, you hit that record button, uh, you know, you're, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. Oh, this is great. Oh, that'll be great. Oh, this will be great. And I thought to myself, this is actually going to – you know, this is going to be a fun editing job because I have a lot here, you know, and he, he's, he's uh, an interesting guy. And, and it, I, I don't think, um, you know, you, you, I guess being involved in this for a while now, you definitely come across. All, one thing you notice about people, about the thoroughbred racing industry is that um, if they've been in it for a very long time, they're just very passionate. That's why they're involved in uh, for such a long time, I, 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 walking away and getting into the car with 
Tom Lawn driving back to Lexington, I said, geez, I don't know if I've met a guy that is more, you know, more passionate about racing than that individual. He's very passionate about racing. And you, John, actually. I, I, you know, I, when I got back with Tom, I told him about that we had the golf cart and all the things that you do up there and, and the passion. The, the, the passion. The passion is, is, is very strong at Riverdowns. Well, it has to be because at most tracks and uh, on the back stretch and a lot of front office jobs, it's the passion, it's not the pay. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. Now, I don't want to show show you your 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 hand. I'm not sure you how well you have a plan, but uh, could you? I've got a couple minutes left. Kind of tell us what direction you might be going in for maybe some other behind the scenes jobs that that you you found might be, make interesting viewing. Well, you know that that um, it's a. You know, I, we, we've gotten that question, and uh, I'm not, you know, uh, I have no problem with telling you. There's, there's, you know, the, there's a lot of interesting jobs. You know, we kind of missed the boat on the, the night watchman. When we first thought of this, I thought, you know, fine, I'll stay, I'll stay up all night with a night watchman, and I'm sure we'll figure out what, uh, the, I'm sure they know who's going to fall, you know, and when they start getting, those mirrors start getting close. Uh, that was one. Uh, we'll probably have to do that, obviously, uh, in 2013. Right. But another one would be like maybe a jockey's agent. We're really um, we got that kind of lined up right now. We've you know reached out and have some strong possibilities there. And a trainer, Ken McPeak, you just spoke about his 300th win at Churchill Downs, and um, uh, he uh, looks very strong that he'll be uh, our next uh, subject. You wouldn't so, happen to know where he won his first race, would you? No, I have no idea. A place called River Downs. Oh. <laughs> Gotta love it. It's kind of like Kevin Bacon. It all comes back here one one, one way oh. or the other. Well, uh, yeah. I, I think I had suggested to you one thing, uh, one unheralded uh, job that it faces danger every day that most people don't even oh, see right. is the assistant yep. starter. Uh, the Without thing is, shooting that would be as dangerous for you as it is for them because you would have to really get on top of the action. Well, you know, the interesting thing is that technology is going to uh, help us there. You know, they have the, a lot of, there's a number of companies, GoPro being one of those cameras that you can clip in anywhere in full HD video. And uh, I know I can get my hands on a couple of those. I'll clip those things and walk away, you know, for a little while and let it record its thing of those guys, the, you know, it's the action inside that gate, which is obviously very dangerous. And uh, um, hopefully we'll be able to do that. It is a great idea. Um, definitely something. Uh, I would love to go. Uh, forward with that idea yeah, and, for sure. And so many people, first of all, they never seem in the starting gate, but they also don't know that they're up at the crack at dawn working with the, the babies and the bad actors. School and everything in the morning, and uh, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. They have a long day. They yeah, have a long day. Say, Probably one of the longest days on the right. A lot of work for uh, <laughs> Greg Jarkudian. Well, yeah. uh, Greg, uh, just to, if you can kind of capsulize what you're doing in New York and uh, what, you, what you'll um, be doing through the Belmont. Well, Thurber Times, you know, we, we, uh, we're, we're, you know, Tom and I are just, you know, doing the same, getting up early, getting out there. Uh, it's a little nicer, uh, with the kind of a, they have the Belmont Stakes Field, uh, kind of designated training. You know, the majority of them are going out after the break at 8.30. So that's a little bit of a help. We still are getting there, you know, pretty early and, and, uh, just making sure that we get there every day. I, we do kind of a, uh, we make sure I get a, a, a montage of everybody, all the contenders, and you can go to thirdbirdtimes.com and see all those videos and our main player, and there's a, there's a little carousel down uh, below that main window, and if you just kind of mouse over, all that whole little kind of film strip will, 
will shift back and forth. And all of them are in there. We put up nine uh, pretty substantial videos today, seven yesterday full packages that, you know, we typically get up uh, on that site, you know, shoot that morning, and they're up by about 1 or 2 o'clock. Well, uh, right after lunch. You, you do so. an amazing job. You, you, you put 10 pounds in a 5-pound package. Uh, my hat's <laughs> off to you. And, again, I encourage Thank people you. to uh, continue to, uh, to dial in to uh, uh, It's My Job series. Uh, you, you've done a great job. Greg, thanks so much for uh, spending time with us on Winning Ponies today. Well, thank you very much, and John, it was a real pleasure, and uh, I hope to be back up at River Downs very soon, and make sure you give my best to Pete Aiello. I absolutely will. Greg Charcuti, ladies and gentlemen, Eclipse Award winner, and coming up next, one of the best handicappers in the country, and an all-round good guy. He's got his finger on the pulse of thoroughbred racing from the Daily Racing Forum. It's going to be Marty McGee right after this break. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports fantasy sports is where the action really is over 40 million people play fantasy sports but rarely do they get to quiz the experts fantasy insights is the name and the game Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. <laughs> All right, and with me, one of my favorite writers and favorite person. I've got to know him personally over the years. Uh, his name is Marty McGee. You get to read him all the time in the daily racing form. Uh, Marty, uh, you're, you're, you're in Louisville now, though, right? You're letting those other form guys cover the Belmont? Yeah, I've been to the Belmont probably, I don't know, six or seven times, John. My first was in... Uh, in 85, I went and saw Woody win his, I guess it would have been his fourth of five with Creme Fresh. And my last one was uh, Big Brown, and I walked out of there like a lot of other people, just <laughs> absolutely soaked and, and shaking my head. It was really a hot day. And uh, I was there for Charismatic and a couple others. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Mike Welsh and, and my other colleagues are doing a great job, as always. And, uh, you know, I just go out and enjoy the race and 
I've watched a lot of Belmonts on TV. You know, this race is really, uh, it's really going to be one of those times where you remember where you were watching it and everything else because it's, it, it's just, there's so much hype and so much anticipation, so much hope um, that I'll have another that's going to win it. It's just been so long. I, I was telling a story to somebody that the last time there was a Triple Crown winner was 1978, of course, and I was 18 years old playing baseball that day. I didn't get to watch it on TV. I was the catcher for my team, and we were up at bat. And then we had the third out, and I wouldn't come out. I was the catcher, so they could not play the game. The, the race was about to go off, so we all stopped and listened <laughs> You're to You're kidding me. No, it's it, true story. I was on the Brave, and it was at Seneca High School over here in Louisville. And, uh, you know, that was a long time ago. You know, I'm I'm an old guy now, so uh, it's about time we, we had it. You know, I'm sure that uh, Jorge and, and Stevie Cawthon and, and, you know, I, I wrote a little something about John Beach last week. It was in the forum, Q&A with John Beach and uh, Mrs. Tweedy and all that. You know, it's just like uh, I'm sure they're, ta- they're, they're kind of tired of rehashing, um, you know, the, the glory days of the 70s. So it's re- this is really a huge race coming up. Well, you, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, really, in, in our era, you know, from about 2000, uh, how many near misses there really have been. And I, I've been on a couple shows myself this week, and the, the one question that people have been asking me that I can't actually answer, and I'm dying to hear yours, is this. Uh, the, the, the host will quiz me saying, well, why were there no more winners after 1997? And I think it's a combination or possibly a series of things, and I'm interested in what you believe. I believe it might be conditioning, the way trainers schedule their horses' schedules now. I think it may be a slight lack of foundation at two. If you go back through time and you look at the great horses, they were good two-year-olds, and they got a good foundation under them. And the other may well be some of the mistakes or changes that we made a decade or two ago in breeding the type of North American bred horse versus a European bred horse where they consistently win at longer distances. What's Marty McGee's read on why there haven't been a winner since, 19, since 1978? Well, John, you, you, you got them all. There's, it's a combination of things. It's plain old bad luck, too, I think, is involved. The fact that <laughs> Uh, Spectacular Bit, who in, in my time in racing was quite possibly the best horse I ever saw run. Um, and, and just horses such as Smarty Jones, he was just victimized by the way that they ran at him as a tag, as a tag team. Um, and like you said, if, if you go back on, on the Derby Day past performances, we at the Racing Forum always pu- published the Lifetime PPs. And you used to see these horses back in the 70s and 80s with these real long PPs of, of where they had run before, and that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, with Big Brown having won the Derby with just three starts and, and the, just the, the radical, I mean, truly radical way that these horses are conditioned now with a guy like Dutro saying, oh, five weeks is too quick back, or, you know, the Frankel mentality. And, you know, it, it kind of even started with Charlie and, and guys like Neil Drysdale. So um, I, I think that's a major factor. Uh, and and I, I just happen to think that, that I'll have another's really up against it in, in, in that particular realm we're talking about because he's coming back after having run the Santa Anita Derby, then the Kentucky Derby, then the Freakness and the Belmont, and they just, just don't do that that much anymore. Now, I, I understand that the way he trained at Pimlico was great. I was there for that. 
and my colleagues are saying how great he tra- he's training at Belmont. Um, but they're running at him with a sort of tag team that Union Rags and Dolan both had the benefit of of getting that five weeks, which is kind of you know clearly in vogue right now. So <clears throat> they're coming back fresh. They're both obviously very capable. Um, and Doug and his team haven't had that opportunity. They had to run their eyeballs out to beat Bodie Meister in the Derby and in the Preakness. And I, I've been thinking all week, just think if Bodie Meister was in this race, how over the top you would think that he would be. And, uh, you know, he, he took, I'll have another to the wire both times. And uh, I'm sure he's... I'm sure he's laying down in the stall right now because <laughs> he just he just really ran his eyeballs out. And here is I'll have another, and he's he's really up against it. You know, if you talk about some of these horses in history, these eleven who since affirmed had won the Derby and the Preakness and and were eligible to to win the Triple Crown, you had some one to five shots in there, John. You had Spectacular Bit, who was a huge favorite. You had Big Brown, who was one to five. You had Smarty Jones, who was one to five. This horse is not one to five. He's he's going to be closer, I think, to even money than one to five. Um, I know they've made him four to five. Watchmakers made him three to five. Um, there's a lot of support for the other two horses who who are obvious uh, threats to him, and of course those are Golahan and Union Rag. So, um, you know, it, what this is Thursday night around. Uh, you know, we're less than 48 hours from the race. By the time they put those horses in the gate. There's going to be a lot of trembling people, including myself, because this is just such a momentous uh, event in history, as it has been so many times uh, when they've loaded those horses in for with a with triple crown on the line. Well, now before we actually get into handicapping the race, I, I want to ask you, I mean, you personally are, are, are close to the sport, but of course uh, your, your brother Paul is uh, one of the top uh, trainers uh, in the Midwest, so you're close to this. Two two things uh, that have come up over the past week uh, that kind of left me scratching my head a little bit were uh, perhaps the day-to-day disruption of forcing these horses into the quarantine barn and the removal of the horse's flare strip that it had been wearing, of which I guess there's not even a rule in New York where you can't wear one. Can you ex- explain these things to me, or do you think any or both of them make a difference? Um, the, the first about the flare, the the, uh, the nostril flaring thing that um, I'll have another war in both the Derby and the Preakness. I guess in all his races before that, even um, Doug has said it's not that big of a deal. Um, it's just kind of a, a red tape kind of thing in, in New York where it's not permissible. You know, they were very much in vogue. I, for some reason or another, I remember it with the horse uh, filling in Cash Run. Who won the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile Phillies in '99 at Gulfstream? I remember that was the the peak of their popularity, and then after a while, uh, the trainers stopped using them because I guess it kind of proved over time that they didn't make much difference. So yeah, it kind of went the way um, of aerodynamic silks. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was one of those fad kind of things, and I'm sure we all wrote articles about it and stuff. The other thing is really kind of um, I find troublesome because of all the feedback I've been reading about and, and hearing that it's just unnecessary for these horses who, as Bill Romans so aptly put it, are creatures of habit, for them to be taken out of their norm, and they said that the training barn this morning, or the state barn, or the detention barn, whatever you want to call it, where they're all housed, kind of like the previous barn, um, that it was just kind of chaotic this morning, and it might have been disruptive, and uh, clearly the bureaucrats with the New York uh, State 
racing away dream board wanted them to um, to just kind of be all in one one spot where they could all be kept an eye on, which would tell you that maybe you know all the cynics will say, well, what these other races that we run three hundred sixty four days of the year, you know, besides the Belmont, are not important enough to to do that uh, to take these kind of strengthened measures. So. You know, I think it's kind of silly. I think it won't happen in years to come because there's going to be such an uproar, and, and, and clearly common sense has to enter into it, and I think at some point it will. Yeah, you know, and the other thing, Marty, and, and you know this, I'm sure, from your brother's experience, uh, there's something about having a little space. I mean, right now, you're going to be right there. You're, you, you and your staff are going to be eyeballing every single thing the other trainers do with their horse because you're right on top of them. Well, you know, that happens also at, at, at Pimlico, um, where although Doug was one barmer removed, uh, he was kind of on the other side of, of what normally is um, everybody just kind of the same thing. So, you know, at, at some point, John, this is just something for us to talk about right now. I, if I'll have another get speed of nose or something on Saturday, maybe... <laughs> Maybe Doug can say it was it was a straw that broke the camel's back in terms of things going against him or something. But um, you know, I, I, hopefully, in the post race analyses that are going to go on, because you know we're going to dissect this race to death once it's over, um, that it won't be a, a serious factor in terms of uh, you know how the race is won or lost. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess we're going to know in about 48 hours. Well, here's what yeah. I think we'll do, Marty, if it's okay with you, is uh, we'll, we'll take a little break and sure. uh, and, and come back, uh, and then we'll uh, kind of do some speed handicapping with uh, the Belmont and some of the surrounding races. You're listening to winningponies.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. The Sports Mavericks Show redefines the elite athlete by bridging the gap between parents, athletes, and the community. Host Ida Moyer, a.k.a. the Oprah of Sports, brings to the Voice America Network original programming, balancing the pursuit of academic excellence and sports participation. The Sports Mavericks Show airs every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Listeners will be engaged in straightforward talk, spontaneous and unscripted by the experts. Ida and her guests will explore the challenges of success and failure in sports and will help athletes and their parents navigate the transition from high school, college, and then on to the pros. We put fun back into sports and recognize role models in sports through our Sports Mavericks All-Star Award Program. Tune in Tuesday evenings at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time with Ida Mouillet and the Sports Mavericks Show right here on The Voice. Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with columnist and handicapper from the Daily Racing Forum, Marty McGee. Well, Marty, it's time to put your feet to the fire here. I'm going to, I'm going to hand you a hundred bucks and I'm going to say, hey, Marty, make a bet for me on the Belmont Stakes. Could you at least like just dope the trifecta out for me? Well, I'll, I'm going to go you one better and do a super. How's that? I love, I love it. those. The time supers, I've, I've become fairly adept at, uh, at the part wheels. I, I would use the, uh, Double hand union rags, and I'll have another. I'll have to be in the top four. I'm going to use just double hand and union rags on top. So that's three five with three five eleven with three five eleven, and then I'm going to sprinkle in some other ones like add a gun. Um, I don't have the, the race in front of me here. Um, the horse of McPeak, the other one, you, you, you unstoppable you, uh, unstoppable you, uh, painter, and some other ones, and then flip them with. Three five with three five eleven with those horses with three five eleven. That's real. That's the way. I'm, you know, a lot of these handicappers you get, John. They say they're going to do this, and it's just all your show. I really am going to do that on Saturday. <laughs> all right. Well, great. Well, we've got you recorded. I, the, the 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 sleeper that I like in going back and visually watching a race, and, and I know that you hear it all the time. Like, hey, just because a horse made a big close in the Peter Pan doesn't mean he's going to run by the winner of the Belmont Stakes. But I really think Chad Brown's done an outstanding job uh, with this street life. I noticed that that every single race has gotten faster than the next, and then it started facing you know graded stakes company. And its its last race uh, in a ten horse field, he was tenth for half the race. Came rolling and uh, only finished a length and a half behind Mark Valeski. I don't know if you got a chance to see that race or not. I, I did. He was a twelve horse that day, and um, and Chad and I. I, sh- I can't say we have become good friends, but I had I ended up calling him a lot for. He came to Keeneland, as you know, for the first time with a stable, and uh, uh, you know he's really become kind of the 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 guy who's the up-and-comer uh, on the East Coast, kind of the Todd Pletcher of maybe 10 or 12 years ago. And anyway, he was like 0 for 12 or 0 for 14 at Keenan. He was walking, <laughs> he was walking through the grandstand one day after another one of his beaten favorites had just run. And I said, you know they're going to start throwing tomatoes at you, right? And he was, he was a little bit taken aback. He's a young guy and good-natured. So ever since I've called him since then, He's like, oh, hold on, I'm in the car wash getting my tomatoes scraped off my my Mercedes. <laughs> he made sure to tell me it's a Mercedes. You know, oh, thank he, you very much. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, I agree. I I I think that uh, he and Les Cano, it might be, it would not uh, all the crazy things. By the way, that were happening in this race, Sarava and Lemon Drop Kid, and um, you know, last year was a real night. We've had so many long shot winners that were Detara, you know. That was really the stunner. So, um, you know, it would not surprise me in the least if Street Life were to win for, for really guys who on a day-to-day basis, and I'm speaking of Chad Brown and Jose Lascano, are really highly respected in the game. So, uh, you know, I was talking about my sprinkles in there. Definitely Street Life is going to be one of those in, in my super part wheel. 
Yeah, I mean, again, and, and the Peter Pan, if you look over the years, uh, Woody Stevens loved using that race as, as a prep for the Belmont. And you'll, you'll, we'll see quite a, a group of uh, horses that came out of that race to be, be a factor in the, in the Belmont. Um, yeah, you know, 20, 20 years ago, Drysdale used it when he had to, he had to script, uh, he had to scratch out of the Derby with AP Indy. He, uh, you know, the timing was such that he ran the Peter Pan and he won, and of course, AP Indy dominated the Belmont. That was, you know, 20 years ago in 1982. Well, we will find out if street life uh, could be this year's Sarava, but I really think that, uh, uh, that the cream's risen to the top, and I have to agree with you. You know, uh, I think any trifecta without uh, Union Rags, uh, Doolahan, and, and I'll have another uh, would not be a very good bet. I find it very interesting that through his career, this will probably be the first time I'll have another's ever been the favorite. That, to me, is a mega, mega whammy because... It just invariably, like, um, you know, Sunday Silence, I'm thinking back to Easy Goers favored over him in the belt in the Derby and, and got beat by him. Easy Goers favored over him in the previous got beat by him. Finally, the people said, okay, we're going to make Sunday Silence the favorite. What happened to him? And it's just the, the racing gods, you know, there's that saying that you've heard a million times, John. You go to the wedding and, and you try and miss a funeral. Well, the, the wedding was at Churchill Downs. There was a wedding at, at Pimlico, 15 to 1 and then 3 to 1. And now, you're going to be asked to take, you know, four to five or so on this horse. And uh, that's the kind of thing that you, as a disciplined horse player, you know, obviously this is way outside of that realm of the, of the nuts and bolts of what we're talking about because this, this has, uh, you know, NBC's involved and there's all kinds of stuff. I saw it featured tonight on Rosie and the Proud. And I'm just thinking it's just so elementary in terms of what the, what the general public doesn't know, let alone the sporting public. But... Uh, you know, anyway, I'm getting off the beaten track here, but just the bottom line is, <laughs> as you mentioned, I think that's just a huge thing in terms of why I wouldn't want to bet on I'll have another, because all the times that he's won and paid these fat mutuals, and now you're, you're being asked to take four to five on it. All right. Well, he's going to roll into a pick four. I've only got about three and a half minutes left, so I'm asking you to do a lot in okay. a short amount of time. But sure. we'll just hit the highlights in some of the races. It's a, the, the eighth race is a Longines Just a Game. I noticed that Dale Roman scratched out a last Friday stake uh, to show up here with Tappet's Fly. Um, the winner, Memories, is in there, who's undefeated on the turf at Belmont, and uh, Hungry Island's coming out of the Distaff Mile uh, at Churchill. These are horses you're familiar with. What do you think? Absolutely. Hungry Island, I thought, was ter- just tremendous on Derby Day when she won the uh, Churchill Distaff Turf Mile. I'm a big Jimmy Toner fan and a big fan of that family from which um, Winter Memories has spawned, and, and I, I just really like her. And I don't know if she's going to be the favorite or not, but I'm, I'm, I just really like her. Well, again, all three of those very close winter memories, six to five, Hungry Island, five to two, tap and fly at three to one. It's going to be a very contentious race. Speaking of which, so will the Woody Stevens. We were hoping Hanson would show up there. I, I guess he uh, had a little uh, bout of something, and he's not showing up. Uh, but meanwhile, a uh, couple of horses, uh, one that just popped to the top down uh, in your neck of the woods, uh, Hiero drew the rail, five to two, gets Julian Leperu up coming out of the Derby trial win. And then there's a horse who's maybe got a lot of future in front of him, a currency swap. Uh, uh, looked fantastic, was uh, undefeated as a two-year-old after winning the hopeful, obviously had a little hitch in its get-along, uh, but uh, won a, a minor Belmont stake, uh, the UNI recently might 
might be coming back soon, but still, he's at eight to one. Uh, any any thoughts about this horse? Of course, we'll have the speedy Trinenberg in there. I'm, I'm way against Trinenberg. I'm for the three Churchill, three of the Churchill horses in there. I'm talking about Lori's Rocket, who's drawn to the outside, ran big at Pimlico for Dallas Stewart. He said immediately after the race, "I'm running the Woody Stevens. I like Hero. I had him in the Derby trial. Really." Steve has really been a big uh, proponent of that horse, Steve Asmussen. And then uh, the horse who was tremendous at Fairground this winter and just ran okay. And and uh, his trainer, Kellen Gordon, Gordon said he couldn't handle a sloppy track in the trial. And that's Bourbon Courage. All right, let's see. I'm down to about two minutes, and we're down to the race just before the Belmont, and that's the Woodford Reserve Manhattan Handicap. Uh, you've got you've got Boisterous, uh, who just won the Fort Marcy over Desert Blanc and Top Surprise, who are going to be in here, and they're going to be joined by uh, a Brilliant Speed, who just ran a solid third in the in the Turf Classic at Churchill. I think Brilliant Speed is a, is a very proven, very consistent horse. I, I really respect him. There's a sleeper in there, John Alcali. His, his run at Keeneland just really woke me up to, to what a class horse he is. He kind of tailed off in form uh, last year, and he's trained by the Hall of Famer, Billy Mott. And um, I don't know what they got him on the line. He's got to be a pretty one price. Yeah, you know, and so he's... You know, invariably, it seems like on these big days, some something jumps up and, and really bites you. And I, I really think if he can duplicate that run, you know, it's funny how you are in this game. You just kind of see one thing, and it's like, wow. And that was a race that he ran at Keeneland. So uh, I'm going to go with him, him and uh, Brilliant Speed. All right, Marty. The, my Matt Widener's pointing at me saying, you better get out of here, Englehart. We're ready to sh- shut the microphone down on you. So, Marty McGee, thanks a lot for joining us on Winning Ponies. All right, you're my man, John. We'll do the regular sh- regular guy show. You still got that at River or not? No, just got this one. That's why I called you. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks All a lot right, for having me. All right, take care. All right, okay. well, don't forget, uh, we've got uh, new uh, things happening at Winning Ponies. Sign on and see what's going on. I'm going to say adios, amigos, from high atop the grandstand overlooking the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I'm John Engelhart. Bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.